podcast is Isabella Cesarini. Isabella is a business advisor and product leader with more than 20 years of experience in the financial sector, where she has successfully designed and delivered fully digital processes and products that are compliant, customer-centric, and data-driven. Currently, she serves as a member of the advisory board at Keyword and works as a product management leader on demand and agile coach supporting various organizations in developing their product strategy, roadmap, and discovery. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Hello, Isabella. It's so nice to have you here in the podcast, and I'm so happy that uh, we will have this conversation about product management, uh, OKRs, uh, and also uh, product audit, which is something uh, new for me. I know I was researching your uh, LinkedIn, what you have done in the past few years, and uh, it was very curious to me that you you have an extensive career in product management and innovation and bring uh, products to life and work with teams. Uh, but recently you shared that you, in 2023, you did uh, a pause in your career, uh, a gap year, let's say, to rest. Uh, for personal development and you commented that that was something and this came from your your concluding your role as product director of product and entering CPO and you comment that uh, this became way more challenging than it sounds exactly like uh, when you write that you want to rest and then it's challenging this is interesting so uh, would you like to elaborate on this? Uh, sure. Thanks for your question. I, mean, I actually initially planned to to travel a lot, and after COVID, we were all closed in the flats, and I wanted to take the opportunity to invest my personal development and career time, uh, give a rest to my career time, uh, enjoy traveling. Uh, with my husband, we bought a caravan and sold a very old house, so we wanted to become flexible and we start traveling across Europe. Um, obviously, Obviously, respecting the fact that we have school children, but we try to travel any time we could. Um, but then, uh, with the opportunity to work online, it was always more often that I was requested to provide my input and the ideas. Um, I start. Uh, attending training course for co-active coaching and I got in touch with Product Academy. So um, it was very interesting to provide pro bono startup consultancy and with some of this company I initiated an advisory. Uh, I was a member of the advisory board and uh, yeah, and it was always more often that I was asked to provide consultancy and experience. And I combined that with traveling across Europe, uh, using the mobile caravan uh, to be remote working. And it was a super interesting time and I'm still enjoying that. So um, I have very interesting opportunity to consult companies and startups and get the chance to work uh, with a power station in my caravan and working for wherever I am. So you were working uh, like like a nomad? <laughs> uh, somehow, wherever <laughs> I could. Uh, I unfortunately couldn't do that all the time because I have school children, but anytime there were holidays, either alone or with my husband and the children were in Berlin with the grandparents or we, I was uh, either traveling alone or uh, every school holidays we were traveling and working um, somewhere. 
So from Croatia to, to Norway, from uh, the Aussie to uh, Italy. And uh, yeah, it was really very interesting from Austria, from the mountains to, um, yeah, to the sea. And it was very funny to get the opportunity to work in this uh, way. My husband is also working remote. So it was very interesting to combine that and uh, work and travel somehow in a different way. Yeah. Well, sounds very dreamy. And also challenging, I have to say. Yeah, yeah it was. Well, very nice. <laughs> One of the topics I would like to uh, bring to this episode um, is uh, something that I discovered when I was reading uh, through your LinkedIn uh, posts and you ref referred that you do a product audit for uh, companies and that are... Uh, four to five topics that you always uh, go and ask about those topics in your product audit. Uh, so could you please describe, let's start by the beginning, could you please describe what is a product audit? Okay, um, I started making a product management audit on requests also from VC and startup. Um, often it happened that uh, founders were coming from different business sectors. Uh, they had a business idea, not uh, necessarily have a product management background. Uh, VC were supposed to uh, provide the financing and based on an idea, but they wanted to have uh, um, a senior experience um, and they wanted to perform Or, uh, perform an evaluation. So a product management audit is actually a systematic evaluation and assessment of the product management processes, the strategy, the effectiveness, and is having a look at the um, product strategy, the product life cycle, and the purpose of the product management audit is actually to identify the strength and weaknesses and the opportunity Uh, it was very uh, important, especially if uh, CTOs were in charge and with more technical focus, looking for a senior leader or um, a seasoned um, fractional leader to provide expertise and evaluation. Uh, in other cases, was an opportunity for mature company to re uh, review their current status and evaluate in case of weaknesses Uh, what they could improve and uh, what they could do better based on an external perspective. And the main areas I normally address uh, is the are the product strategy, so to assess the alignment of the product strategy with the overall business goals of the organization, um, the development processes, the organization from the uh, agile perspective, the setup of the product teams, the cooperation and the product operational perspective of the teams, um, the cooperation and communication side, uh, how team collaborate and communicate uh, between product and IT, uh, between product and marketing, uh, what are the roles of what, how is the communication with customer taking place, um, how is the cooperation also with research, if they have a research department, mm -hmm. and how product discoveries are uh, integrated into the product uh, phases. Um, mm -hmm. I also have a look at resource allocation and um, the availability of resources and how budget time and workload are distributed in the company. Um, A big focus is also the market analysis, the analysis of the competition to identify potential uh, areas of improvement. 
And it's also important to the customer focus and the customer feedback. Sometimes uh, product who failed uh, can be analyzed to verify reasons for failure and improve the uh, next product launches and evaluate what can be done better. Mm -hmm. This is uh, like a, almost an interim CPO kind of work, correct? Uh, yes, it is actually uh, an interim CPO or sometimes it's also uh, um, uh, an external perspective for company who are already uh, having a mature product department, uh, but they want to have an external senior perspective. Um, not always all companies have an advanced product department or a very young team, uh, mm -hmm. especially in the early phases of startup, and they want to have a fresh overview. Um, or the CPO is uh, requesting an analysis uh, or is overloaded by a lot of new tasks and the responsibility and uh, is requesting an, a senior leader or senior product manager to come on board and make an evaluation um, when joining a new company. So that mm -hmm. having uh, a, a right side, on, stay on the right side of the CPO to help him as a fractional leader on his, on, on his side. All right. And uh, from your experience uh, doing this product audit for many companies, um, is there a common risks that you see companies doing over and over again, like a pattern or like, is there something that you came across over and over again and you need to correct? Um, most of the time I realized the very uh, uh, poor uh, discovery phase uh, or um, very uh, poor communication um, in the organization between the product team and the uh, development team. Uh, these were happening very often. Um, also the prioritization of activities were sub often subestimated um, and the product, the market fit uh, were um, not always perform properly. Um, I think also one of the major areas of improvement I realized over time were um, how to uh, overcome the overloading situation of product teams, uh, making sure that product operation was working effectively, um, optimize the department's uh, um, way of working, the tools they were using, uh, and also in, in, reduce the tech depth that they were always experiencing in their development uh, path. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you deliver, like, do you act uh, on the problems that you see? Um, depending on the request, uh, I sometimes have uh, only an analysis phase. So we identified a recovery action. So first there is an audit part where we identify uh, pitfalls, areas of improvement, ideas, what can be done better. And we jointly with the teams identify uh, um, quick wins that they can be achieved, and like a Pareto rule, 80-20. What can we uh, improve? How can we improve 80% of the processes by only, uh, you know, um, and try to get efficiency without overloading and creating uh, uh, too much sophisticated um, initiatives. So try to, to focus on the quick wins and mm -hmm. uh, see what can be done and uh, install and establish uh, um, a development process and uh, a way to improve 
the organization and a uh, revolving process of feedback and uh, improvement. And then like depending on, on the job that you, you are to do, you might act or, or not on that. Exactly. Sometimes I have the request just to uh, identify the initiative or uh, install and eventually come a bit later after a few months to see the progresses, even oh, analyze okay. uh, the uh, things were going well and things that were not going well, uh, recovery measurements and think uh, how that can be uh, integrated in the organizational culture and see okay. how the um, product uh, teams could work more productively and efficiently. In which stages do you believe it's most beneficial to, to request this, this type of uh, external view over the, um, the processes in the product? Um, I, some, I often uh, saw the benefit of having a product audit uh, after, um, at least after the first MVP to verify for at least very young startup to verify how is the product set up and product management processes, procedures, and uh, the uh, customer focus and the discovery uh, being implemented and what are the results and how the organization can go forward. Um, the alternative is for more mature organization or big corporation, uh, less agile, more uh, waterfall-oriented, that are moving to a more digital uh, organization, and they need to uh, review their uh, concepts, their products in a more modern way, and they're not used to work uh, in a product-led uh, um, approach. So... Uh, revise their product organizational uh, setup and uh, introduce a change management culture within their departments. Yeah, that's the challenging. <laughs> Good. Okay. Uh, thank you so much for, for your insights. Um, I, I would like to explore uh, the second topic of this uh, episode that would be OKRs uh, and the power that they have over achieving the goals that we that companies uh, want to achieve, the strategic power of OKRs. And you are a big defensor uh, of this strategy and of this tool. Why are you such a big fan of OKRs? Why do you think they are a turbocharger for the product journey? Okay, uh, thanks for this question because I'm effectively a very uh, good fan of, of using OKR in product management. Um, OKR are very, uh, I consider OKR as a North Star, as an important guidance uh, for the product journey uh, and guiding also, if you imagine, sailings, giving really direction to the product uh, team where they would like to, to be. Uh, if you navigate in very uh, unknown areas and you want to uh, introduce new products, you want to uh, innovate, uh, you need a, a North Star, you need a guidance. Everybody needs to know what to do. Uh, the uh, crew has to have clear uh, indication what uh, where they want to go. And I believe this is also a very interesting approach from providing inspirational guidance on one side with the objectives and on the same time so with key results, uh, guiding the organization to identify um, to identify what kind of initiatives and results had to be um, 
perform and who is doing what within the organization. This is uh, also encouraging autonomy of teams, uh, is giving the opportunity of the uh, to be creative, uh, being focused on outcome rather than output, and um, guide and structure innovation in a in a proactive but agile way uh, without micromanaging teams and on the same time providing discipline and um, structure. Well, we already had someone in here in this podcast very recently, Radhika Dut, uh, that uh, we made an entire episode around uh, how OKRs can be harm uh, for teams and for organizations. Uh, so there's been uh, a few companies that have advocated for this, Google and Spotify, that they have uh, said that uh, The way OKRs are within uh, a company, they might uh, lead to short-term thinking and also uh, lead to impediments in learning from mistakes because uh, it puts like um, a a test that employees need to pass or fail uh, and that will lead uh, people to not learning from their mistakes and trying to test hypotheses that lead to innovation. So, So I wanted to know to explore... Uh, what do you think about these ideas? Uh, how do you interpret them? And uh, uh, what do you have to say? Uh, first of all, it's very important how OKRs are implemented. Uh, I think OKR are planning are based on a reiterative process. That means uh, there is no possibility to have a short-term thinking because it's uh, reiterative and it's encouraging to rethink and learn from the experience. Um, Objectives are linked to company goals, and this is very important for the organization to be current. Uh, this is not preventing creativity and exper- experimental perspective. Um, and these are also encouraging not to have a reactive way of working, but thinking about how to solve problems, as giving a structure to rethink and um, re-elaborate what went well and what can be improved. Uh, OCAR are periodical and uh, are uh, reset uh, uh, regularly. Uh, they get analyzed what was uh, going successful and how they can be revised. This is not a static corset, as it's uh, a dynamic framework. Um, Key results are also time-bounded uh, outcomes and uh, not output. So they are given a structure uh, or, uh, overview. They are given a structure frame, uh, but they are not um, uh, preventing creativity or uh, uh, avoiding the, the team uh, to rethink uh, and to reconsider uh, the, um, the initiative they want to implement. Uh, I think it's important also the um, evaluation uh, perspective of a car because this is a recurrent process to get to give space for uh, lessons learned and uh, to reintegrate in the next OKR uh, cycle uh, the lesson learned from the previous one. So I think that you, you touched to a very good point that is it really depends on how OKRs are implemented. If you make uh, maybe if you make a, a very uh, Uh, emphasis uh, highlights that uh, the team's bonuses are very linked to uh, reaching those OKRs. Maybe that will can lead to short-term thinking, and people just want to uh, 
achieved achieve it to receive the, the bonuses. So, yeah, I think the way they implement it, they, they can change the way people also uh, act and how they will think about the product. Yeah, well, OKR actually should not should never be considered as uh, integrated into the uh, employee target agreements. Uh, OKR strategic, are strategic tools and not uh, employee assessment tools. Uh, these are two different topics. Uh, often I've seen they, uh, they OKRs are uh, um, not properly associated with uh, employee performances. Uh, first of all, OKRs should be assigned or key results to uh, teamwork. Um, this is not a one-person result. Uh, and a second, they are not uh, employee assessment tools. They are strategic um, uh, tools that are supporting the achievement of targets. Um, so they are more inspirational and uh, um, enhance communication and cooperation. These are not a way to assess performances. Yes, so maybe these companies, Google and Spotify, might have uh, reached too much the idea of OKRs to like having like OKRs per person or something like that. Yes. Yeah, I think it's, it's interesting to have these these both views uh, because uh, what was one of the conclusions from the last episode was that uh, it would it would be better to have uh, a clear vision for for the company. So, um, what does the company wants to to bring to the world? What did, how does it want to transform the world, and why is it important to do so? And then uh, have. Uh, and then from this vision, have a strategy, and from the strategy, uh, have a set of tests and hypotheses that would lead teams to uh, understand what's the best strategy to achieve that change in the world that the company wants to, to achieve. Um, so this other view of from your side that OKRs might not be that harmful, it's it's very interesting. Uh, you made the the a comp- a comparison that uh, it can help the crew to see the where we are ending to. <laughs> Especially in innovation, imagine you know if you are a sailor. I don't know if you are an experienced sailor, but if you are sailing in unknown waters, you don't have a. a a traditional map to follow for navigation. So you need to uh, trust that uh, the team has uh, a very team spirit. They're working in a, in a coordinated way. They, uh, Although they don't have a clear understanding where they're going, where, and they need a, uh, an inspirational target. Where are, what is the dream? Where do they want to go? And uh, also be able to react quickly if there are changes mm-hmm. necessary. So they need a structure within an an. an known environment so and uh, given complete uh, openness in uh, uh, in a change environment change management is also very difficult for employees because this is requiring trust this is requiring uh, unknown uh, methods and uh, to provide a frame give give guidance and security whether on the other side uh, providing creativity and agility to react to uh, unknown events and uh, this is the reason why I consider that very important in the change management initiative especially in digitalization and very aggressive product uh, um, changes uh, since it's guiding the team uh, in a very structured way and is given a compass uh, it's a powerful compass to uh, provide direction Mm-hmm. And how many, uh, how do you think uh, 
teams should follow OKRs. So do you think they should be brought like weekly, uh, like a, more times in a week, less times? <laughs> uh, it is normally recommended to have quarterly OKRs uh, in line with uh, goals uh, and provide weekly. Uh, the, t the, the teams can uh, identify weekly progresses of the key results and identify deadlines, uh, but normally should be uh, quarterly. This is not necessary to make it quicker. Uh, obviously, in an agile environment, depending on the number of sprints, if they work in a sprint models, that can be coordinated in line with the uh, the delivery of the uh, of the products and uh, the sprint work. Uh, but OKRs are not necessarily uh, daily or weekly. They can be quarterly. Uh, that's mm -hmm. my recommendation generally. Okay. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to talk to you, Isabella. Um, so I have just a couple of final questions that I'd like to ask you. Three books that you'd recommend to the audience. And this could be, can be product or non-product books. Well, I, uh, I enjoyed uh, a book about from Eckhart Tolle, the uh, name in English is The Power of Now. Uh, it is uh, a guide to uh, spiritual uh, enlightenment. It is actually uh, providing a, an overview how to be on the now and the uh, mindfulness of being in the now, uh, trying to uh, be present and experiencing the importance of mindfulness. Um, the second book, I think, it was very important, especially in a um, traveling and reconsidering period of my life, was the inner work from uh, Matteo Micheletti and Ashley Cotres. Um, and there is also a product book that is strategized, product strategy and product roadmapping uh, in the practice of the digital age uh, by Roman Pichler. Mm -hmm. I have read The Power of Now and it's an amazing book. I, I loved it. It's it's very raw, I think, because he explains his experience, uh, how it happened to him. Um, and uh, I really recommend yeah, it. Yeah, I also enjoyed that, especially if you are experienced after COVID, a very peri uh, strong period of reconsideration of priorities. I think it's very important to focus on, to go out from the uh, running and routine perspective and stay on the uh, current uh, feeling and feel yourself. I, th I found it very inspirational. Yes. And also I... Uh, I can also say that the audiobook of this um, uh, book uh, is narrated by the the author, so um, it's also very interesting that that to listen the own author reading his own book. I always find it um, good. <laughs> uh, Isabella, uh, where can people find you? Well, uh, you can find on my. You can connect me. Uh, to me uh, by sending a request to Cesarini Consulting uh, website. There is a form you can request uh, a one-by-one -one or uh, a first introduction section. I will be glad to provide a, a first free coaching hour. Uh, otherwise, in LinkedIn, uh, feel free to connect to me and send me a message. I will be glad to, to respond to your request. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, you too. And uh, yeah, nice to hear you next time again. <laughs> Bye. Bye.